Thank you, Pastor Dane. Don't you love your pastor? I was thinking it was five years ago when I met Dane. I had to do some math real quick. It took a while to do five years. But I remember walking into Covenant Praise for the first time, or the first time as an adult. I went there a little bit as a child. But as an adult, walking in there, it's Sunday morning. I don't know the date or anything. It's 2012. It's February. I remember that. But... Um, at the end of the service, or actually it wasn't end of the service, end of worship service, he was walking down from the platform off the bongos, and uh, he made a point to make contact with Crystal and I that morning. Him showing the love of Christ, example of Christ, really stuck with Crystal and I. We was already friends on Facebook, or Crystal was. I was. My name's on Facebook. I don't get on Facebook that much. But he made sure in messages later on that day that it was really, he's really, really honored to see us. He, uh, I can't remember exactly what it said, but, you know, it was, it was a blessing to see us. And it took a little while to get to Sunday night service, Wednesday night, and then slowly into Sunday school, and then... From there, we just started maturing, just started growing. And, you know, from there, we became kids' pastors. Crystal's on the worship team now. I started teaching Dane's adult class when he left to come here. There's some other fill-ins, but I'm the main one that teaches it. If you would have told me five years ago that I'd be doing that, I told you it's crazy. Or five years ago, you told me that you'll be evangelizing, you'll be preaching. I told you you're a nut. I wouldn't get up in front of people. I wouldn't talk in front of people. I wouldn't talk to you if I knew you. I can't start conversations. Can't do it. The only way I can do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Is the only way I'm capable of doing this. And this morning, Pastor Dane walked all over my message, so you're going to get it again. It's a little bit different way, but you're going to get it again. And I, I just love confirmation. I love it when someone else walks on your message. I love it when I teach a Sunday school lesson, and then the preacher right after that preaches on the same thing. Or you're going to be preaching that night, you got your sermon, and all the songs just line up with your sermon. I love seeing that confirmation. It's nothing planned. It's just we're all working in unity in one accord. If you would stand for the reading of the word, go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I'll have a few other we'll turn to. If you want to, you can go ahead and find them. Second one will be. First Timothy 6, verse 12, and then on my third one I'll be reading the First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. But Matthew 28 and 18 reads, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you will flip over to 1 Timothy 6.12. First Timothy 6.12 reads, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And if you will go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left with, and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Title of my message tonight, it comes from I had to write a paper for CAMS and ask what your theme was for ministry. I struggled with that. I was like, I never knew you had to have a theme for ministry. And my wife just jokingly said, go, fight, and win. I tried to get her to do it in a cheer, but she wouldn't do it for me. But go, fight, and win is my title to the message tonight. If you would bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for one more time to come into your house, to come into your presence. We have felt you heavily in this house tonight, Lord. Your presence is here. You're saturating this atmosphere. You're changing lives tonight, Lord. I can feel your presence working, your Holy Spirit working in hearts. God, I pray that you hide me behind the veil tonight. God, I pray my words be your words. pray that you bless this reading of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I, I got to get away from the platform. I can't stand up there. You notice I'm fidgety. I can't stand still. But Matthew 28, verse 18, we know is the Great Commission. If you read what a mission stands for, it is a, a something you go on, something you travel to do. You know, it's, But a commission is a duty, is something given to you to do, is your Job. We'll put it as your job to do. As a Christian, your job, your duty, your uh, command is to make disciples, to preach the message. You read in Mark chapter 16, it says just go preach the gospel, go preach the good news. But Matthew chapter 28, it says go teach and make disciples. You teach them the word and you bring them in and you disciple them. Now, we tend to make it a really hard thing to do to spread the gospel, to spread the good news. We want to make it very complicated. We want to go out and we want to make it sound like we are smart. We want to make it sound like we can confuse the other person. We can confuse the sinner. We want to make it sound like if they're confused, they're going to come crawling to God because they have no idea what their life consists of, what it is. It is very simple of what we need to do. We just spread the good news. 
And what is the good news? What is the gospel? Is the story of Jesus Christ, how he comes down off his throne, comes to earth, and dies for our sins on a cross. And then three days later, he is risen again and conquers death. It is not that hard to comprehend. So we don't need to make it real hard to comprehend. It's very simple. Straightforward. You go, you preach the message, and you deliver it simple. It is good news of Jesus Christ. And then you start the discipleship. You know, Pastor Dane talked, you know, uh, this morning about people, how they would preach. They'd preach to you. They'd preach at you. You're doing wrong. You're doing, that is not what we need to do. You will never gain anybody for the kingdom of God until they're in the wrong all the time. You just tell them the good news. You tell them that there was a guy that died for them over 2,000 years ago for their sins, that they can be washed clean of their sins no matter what they have done. And then, once they turn their life over to God, they'll know what's right or wrong. The Holy Spirit will convict them if they do wrong. You can teach them what is wrong and right, but you don't need to preach at them all the time. You're going to drive a wedge. You're going to drive them farther away. We know that in John chapter 4, Jesus traveling to Galilee was going, had to go through Samaria. Had to. He didn't have to. That day, the Jews would actually go around that area. They would cross the Jordan. They would go around that area because they thought, them people are dirty. They're sinners. We don't want to be nowhere around them. But he had to go. He knew he had an appointment with that woman at the well that day. He had to be there. He had to make that connection in order to make that connection in that town or that area. You read further on, it says many believed because of that woman's testimony. Many came to him that day or that time. So he had to go to that area, to that woman. That woman that had five husbands and was with a man, that was not her husband at that time. I want to ask you, when you're going, when you're going out and spreading the gospel, do you go to that person that really needs it? Or are you trying to go to this person over here that already goes to a church and trying to bring them over to your church to build your numbers? We need to go out to the areas where the sinners are, where the people are that really need Christ, that really need to hear the good news, and tell them about Jesus Christ, about the Lord that died for our sins, that loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And I want to ask you, when you do go out and talk to them people, you know, Jesus was talking to that woman. He was a Jew. Jews did not talk to Samarians. His disciples seemed, you know, thinking, what is he doing talking to that woman? Are you caught talking to that person that really needs Christ, that, that uh, alcoholic, that drug addict, that uh, prostitute, someone on a corner? And do you cross boundaries of culture? Do you cross boundaries of race? Whether or not you are black, you are white, I don't care what color you are, everybody needs Christ. Died, he died for all of us. He died for all of us on a cross that we all may be forgiven. I don't care what your history is. I don't care where you think you are, but you need to... Spread the good news to everybody, everybody that needs to hear it. Sometimes we want to spread it to the people that already know it because it's a little bit easier. We tend to spread it to the people that already know it because what if we tend to tell this person, what are we going to do if they say yes, they want to? And then may, may we work with that person. Are we afraid to tell that person that we work with that about the good news because we might have to change our lives at work 
we might have to actually live like a Christian then at work if that person that we work with sees that we are not living correct then. Or that person at school or that family member or your spouse. We might have to actually tell that person about what is right and wrong. Then we might have to actually live it. We are scared that they're, they are going to be watching us and they're going to hold us accountable. Well, they already are. Everybody already is. The eyes are on us, that's for sure. They're going to watch and see if we are correct or right or living right or wrong. But Jesus had to go through there. He had to go there. We know that he didn't have to. He could have took the journey that was well taken around that area. But he had to make that connection. Sometimes you have to make that connection with that person, that loud, obnoxious person that you may work with that you don't want to talk with or talk to. You might have to make that connection. That person that nobody else wants to talk to, nobody else wants to even be seen around that person, but you may have to make that connection. You may have to talk to that person. And it might not even be out there. It could be in here. Say that person comes down to the front to pray. You may have to go down there and pray with them. You may have to do that right here in front of your Christian family. Can you do it? Would you come to the front and pray for that person that no one else would? It ain't only out in the world that we have to step out of our boundaries, step out of our cultural boundaries, our racial boundaries, our sexist boundaries, anything that it may be that could keep us to ourselves. It also has to be in the church also. But go. We are equipped to go outside these walls. We do not stay in these walls. I want you to look around you at a chair that's empty. Notice anything about that chair? No one's holding it down. God didn't call you to hold down a chair. These chairs are just fine like they are. God called you to go out and preach the gospel, to spread the word, spread the good news. He didn't call people to come in here and to sit and to support the pastor. You support it by prayer prayer in your prayer closet. You come in here to fill up, to fill your cup, and then you go back out there during the work week or whenever and empty it. And then you come back in, fill it up. I taught a lesson on revival. It's a three-week, four-week lesson on revival in Sunday school. A revival is a renewing. And after a revival, what are you going to do with that? When you receive that, what are you going to do? Are you just going to keep it to yourself? Are you just going to be selfish and keep whatever you got in that revival or, or the, even that church service? Just keep it to yourself? No, you can't. You got to take it out and you got to share it. You got to pour out into other people. But we have to go, fight, and win. We have to go out into the world. We have to go out, and I don't mean just other countries. A lot of people, I want to go to Mexico. I want to go here. I want to go there. Try going across the street first. Try going across the aisle somewhere and talk to someone. Before you go over to a different country that is, don't even know your language. You're just going to hope this translator fixes it for you. Before you go to a different country on a mission trip, try Walk into the person next to you in Walmart or the person next to you that you work to every day or your neighbor. Try going to them places, and then God will open doors for you to go other places. We want to go way off, far off that way. One, our friends can't see us if we mess up. We don't want our church family seeing us mess up if we say the wrong thing. And we all mess up. 
I've messed up preaching. I've said Paul was writing some books that he didn't write. It's very embarrassing. But you'll be surprised the people that will not catch it when you say it. Only about two people caught it that night. Three, me being one, but the other two. But do we want to go and spread the good news when it may take time out of our day? It may interfere with our schedule. It may interfere with stepping out of our box. Who here hides in a box? I used to. Really large box I could really hide in. (laughs) Well, I got dumped out of that box. When you start praying that you want to be used, you better be prepared to get out of that box. You better be prepared to be dumped out of that box and just get rid of that box because it's useless. It ain't ain't gonna help no more. But we need to go, we need to fight, we need to win. The teens that was at teen camp this week, I would have liked to have went, could not go, but I want to know who went to teen camp this week. Who went to teen camp this week and received something? Anything. Who received a calling this week? I already knew that. I wasn't calling you out or anything. But when you receive that calling, God's gave you that calling at that point in time for a reason. He don't want you to sit on it. He don't want you to, here, take this. You need to mature first, but I'm going to put this idea in your head. God has gave you that calling because he is ready to use you. It don't matter if you think you're qualified or not. He will qualify you. Just like Isaiah said, woe is me, for my lips are unclean. An angel took a coal and anointed his lips and qualified him right then and there. God will qualify you if you think you're not qualified. He don't want to call the people that is qualified. He wants to call the people that is humble for him and that is willing to work for him. He will qualify them. I was called to preach at nine years old. I have not been preaching that long. I ran from it. I tell you, that's one thing you do not want to do because you only reach so much of a level and you will never go higher than that. That's grieving the Holy Spirit is what that is. We'll get to that fighting here in a little bit, but you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You will not get past that. I felt like I could not get no higher in a worship service than the roof as high as my praise was going. Until one night at a cold blue rally, I already knew, I already shared with Crystal a little bit that I was uh, called to preach. Uh, Dane and I was standing in the back of the room. Service was pretty much over, getting ready to dismiss, but Brother Tennyson said there is one person in here called into ministry. Nobody moved. I thought, well, it must be someone else. It ain't me. I'm going to hide back here, standing next to my buddy Dane. I'm smaller than him. I can hide next to him. <laughs> he said it again. He said, there's one person in this room has called into ministry. You know, by then, this was 20 years after I was already called. I knew that was still my calling, but I didn't want to move. I was froze. He said it the third time. And when he said it, I I thought I walked to the front. Crystal said I pretty much ran. (laughs) Dane was standing next to me. When I moved, I think he could feel it. I think he could feel that I was the one that needed to move. But that night, I let it be known that I was called into ministry. And from there, I mean, doors just started opening. Uh, That's when I really felt like, you know, we was already maturing in Christ. But like I said, you could only go so high. I could not get no higher. 
my worship, I tell you, it seemed like it just went as high as the roof, and that's it. I could not get a breakthrough. That night, I got a breakthrough just because I was obedient and said, I am the one that is called into ministry. When God gives you that call, he is ready to use you. Not when you're ready to use that calling, he is ready to use you. He will equip you, and when he gives you that call, you should hit the ground running and go. Go outside these walls. Go wherever you need to go to fulfill that ministry. Yes, Crystal and I was called into a kids' church ministry, be kids' pastors for a time and a season. That's just a way of equipping us. The Sunday school class, just a way of equipping us. That's all that was. It is time to move on now. Last Sunday was our last Sunday in kids' church, and I just doors start opening now for ministry. Places to go, places to minister. And it's amazing what God will do in your life when you start obeying him. And I don't mean just, you know, your tithes, your offering, the Ten Commandments, I obey them. It's other things that he calls you to do. It might be go pray for so-and-so in a church service. It might be, you know, sing a special. It could be anything. But when you obey, you never know what that's going to be. You don't obey God for you. You obey God for God or that other person that you're helping. Now, you might say, well, I'm not called into ministry. I, I, I ain't going out to preach. Every Christian is called to be a minister. And I don't mean to preach the word. Minister comes from a Greek word that I'm not going to try to pronounce because I can't pronounce English very good. But it comes from a Greek word that means servant or to serve. Every Christian is called to be a minister. Is to be called into ministry is to be called to serve. To serve your brother in Christ and to serve your brother or sister, literally, or to serve other people that is not Christians. How do you serve them? You might serve them by just helping them. Helping them do something. And I got a story that I got to tell that goes with this, but... You might help them physically, you might help them emotionally, spiritually, financially. You never know how you're going to help that person, but it's ministry. We was in Walmart one day, and I just got done re- writing a paper on ministry for CAMS. I literally just got done writing it. We went to go grocery shopping. Standing there in Walmart, and we was looking at some shelves, and this lady was on the other side, and uh, she was looking at a computer desk or a shelf or something. So she walked around and was like, sir, can you help me? I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> Walked around. She's like, can you pick that up and put it in my cart? I was like, yeah. Well, I picked it up, and she seen the price. She's like, oh, that's not the price that was above it. So here I am holding this desk or shelf or whatever it is in a box. It wasn't that heavy, but when you stand there and hold it long enough for a lady to make up her mind if she wants to buy it or put it in the cart or put it back, it becomes heavy. So here I am holding this shelf. She's standing there. Oh, it's this much. It's I don't. It wasn't, is that the price? I was like, I don't know. Do you want me to put it in the card or put it back? I don't know yet. I don't know how long it was. It felt like eternity. Crystal stayed on the other side of the aisle, and I can hear her when she's laughing internally. And she was laughing internally. I could hear it. I don't know if she's laughing out loud or not, but I guarantee she was just busting a gut. This lady still, I don't know if I want it. Um, Here I am. I'm kind of holding it crouched over, you know. It's becoming really heavy now. It probably only weighed 20 pounds, but you stand and hold 20 pounds, it's a big box. It becomes pretty heavy after five, ten minutes. She's like, well, I don't want it. I was like, okay, I put it up. 
I could have easily just snapped on that woman and went off on her. But when I got done and walked around back to the aisle, Crystal's dying laughing at me. She couldn't hold it in no more. It's no longer internal laughter. And I told her, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit checked me while I was holding that. That is ministry. That is helping someone. That lady is by herself. She could not pick that up. I don't know if that was just God testing me on that. Are you really, you know, I'm gonna, what you wrote down, I'm going to test you on that. Or was that Satan testing me on that? But either way, I think I passed. I think I did good. I didn't go off on the lady or anything. I held the bookcase until she decided she wanted to buy it or not. But ministry is not about spreading God's word. It's about helping people, recognizing that need that they have, no matter what the need is, and helping them, and helping them out of love. Paul wrote, now I'm sure it's Paul that wrote it. <laughs> Paul wrote it that if you do not do it out of love, it is useless. You have a spiritual gift and you do not, whatever that spiritual gift is, if you do not have love, it's useless. You do not, if you do something out of grievance or anger, useless. It ain't no good. It is not glorifying God then or the kingdom of God. So we must go, we must fight, we must win. Now let's talk about fight. And when I was, I, uh, was thinking of this, I was thinking of Derek wrestling. <laughs> but I don't know why. But, uh, I mean, we are not passive Christians. We do not just sit on the sidelines, if you want to put it that way. We do not just let the enemy trample all over. We do let the enemy trample all over us, but we shouldn't. Paul used forcive verbs in his writings. Forcive. You must flee. You must pursue. You must fight. Fight the good fight. He has fought a good fight. He's ran the good race. You know, it. What we do must be active in what we do it. It must be forceful. Not that we are forceful, but we need to be forceful about doing it. We need to be active about what we do. We need to fight. Fight is not only a abusive or a violent fight. A fight can also be you're standing up for something. You are not just lying down for something. We must fight for the souls that are out there that are not saved. We are living in the last days. I believe we are. And if we are not going outside this church and we are not fighting for lost souls... What are we doing? We're just protecting ourselves in the last days. all we're doing. We're not trying to bring in. How can God pour out his flesh if we don't bring them in? If we don't teach them? God's not going to go out there and force his Holy Spirit upon them. We are the hands and feet of the church. We must go. We must go outside these walls and we must fight for them. When I think of fight, I also think of the 23rd Psalms. You know, the path that you walk can be righteous, but what else is it after that? The valley of the shadow of death. You go through that valley, and when you're going through that valley of your life, it's a fight. It's a fight to keep going. It's a fight to get to that other side of that valley. 
Who else was in that valley that we read about? David had to go through that valley to face Goliath. He had to go through that valley or go into that valley to fight. If we never went into that valley, we never fought, we never had a fight in our life, how can we be strong? How can we overcome things? How can we go out and use our testimony, which defeats the enemy? Our testimony defeats the enemy. How can we go out and have a testimony in the first place if we've never been through a valley? Never had a fight in our life. Never had anything you had to overcome in your life. How can your testimony bring someone else to Christ if you never have one? Our testimony builds other people's faith. Our testimony is our victory of our fights that we had, of how you came to Christ to begin with, your little fights throughout your Christian walk, them little things that rise and you have to overcome. When you defeat them, you use that testimony to build other people's faith, to defeat the enemy, and bring people in. Because if they see you conquered something through the Holy Spirit, they can conquer it. Now, we're going to get to win. Read that one day, the, you know, Jesus is going to step out on the clouds and call his church with a loud sound of a trumpet from the archangel. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? You can't imagine it. The word says you can't. It says, no eye, no ear has heard or seen. No mind can conceive, can comprehend what he has in store for us. So we can't imagine God's glory. We can't imagine the win that we will have, the victory that we will have through Jesus Christ, the victory that we have through his blood and through our testimony. But can you imagine walking up to the pearly gates, the walls of precious jewels, the streets of pure gold, they're like glass. They are so pure. Can you imagine walking up to 12 pearly gates, actually, is what it is. A pearly gate. You walk up, open the book of life, and Jesus says, enter, my child. Would you just walk on that golden street? No, you're not going to just walk. I'm going to run. I'm not a very exciting person. I don't get very pumped up about stuff. It takes a lot to get me excited. But I can tell you what, when it comes down to that, I'm going to get excited. You got a lot of people that tell, you'll talk to them a little bit, and they just talk about Christ. They're just so monotoned, just dull, no passion about it. They'll talk about, someday I'm going to heaven. They're not very excited about it. I know one day when Christ calls his church, whether it be through the rapture, or when he calls me through the rapture, or through death I'm going to get excited walking through them pearly gates because I know I have went out I have fought a good fight and now it's time for the victory it's time to have our victory we cannot comprehend what's going to be in heaven we cannot comprehend what it looks like John got a little taste of it and wrote it down but he could not even see all of it he could not even comprehend what all was there we don't know what it's going to entail we just know that our Lord and Savior is going to be there. He is going to be the sun that shines. His glory is going to just shine about the place. And it's going to just be nothing but worship of him. One big church service. Can you wait for that? No. 
I know I'm ready. Christian, we can come wherever's playing. <laughs> but we're going to need to go. We need to fight. We need to win. Being a Christian, being a child of God, every one of us is called into ministry. Some sort of ministry. Every one of us has a fight that we got to, every day we must put on the armor of God in order to fight. You cannot fight it alone. You cannot fight it by yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to fight. And we already know we've won. It's not we may win. We know we've already won. We know we have the victory. We know that Jesus Christ conquered our enemy already. I ask for everyone to stand. I do this every every service. I'm going to ask if there is anybody in here that does not know the Lord as their personal Savior. I ask that you evaluate your heart. Maybe you knew him once before.